Elvis, 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 Hello and welcome back to Elvis Has Left the Movies, and this time, if he did, at least temporarily leave the movies to go back to the stage and do what he does best, be Elvis, singing Elvis songs, and that's what we're going to discuss in today's episode. Nice. We're talking about the 68 Combat Special. Yes. Which, when it aired, was simply called Elvis. Oh. It was a TV special that was sponsored by Singer, the sewing people. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so it was Singer Presents Elvis. And retroactively, it became known as the comeback special because this is the turning point. This is where he'd been stuck in Hollywood too long, doing bad movies after bad movie. Mm -hmm. And he started doubting himself. Does he still have what it takes? And so this was the proving ground. And it was a rousing success. And so he finally was like, thank God. I've only got a few more, you know, contracts to fulfill. And then I'm done with movies for good. Good. Yeah. And I can enter the third act of my career, which is a Vegas headliner with all his gaudy outfits and yeah. going full Vegas Elvis and then dying way too young a few years later. Yeah. So. Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty. I'm, yeah. That's my favorite. <laughs> I think that's probably one of my like most well remembered Elvis times. Not that I was around when Elvis was around, just that in our house... In our household, when Elvis was around, like we had all of the pictures that we had of him were from his return years onto the stage. You know, the whole that whole shtick was like what what we saw. Flared out collars as big as yeah. his oh, sideburns yeah. were long. Rhinestones, big sideburns, cravats, the whole ten yards, right? And so that was for us the quintessential image of what Elvis was. And it wasn't until I was like twelve or thirteen that I started actually going like way back and looking at Elvis and his style and his work like really, really early in his career. So yeah, it's pretty exciting. It's it's going to be nice to take a It's well, it's been nice rather to take a break from uh, watching all these movies. Yes. Uh, before we get too far into things, I'm just going to mention we have another Twitter shout out. Nice. So Brian Henley messaged us on Twitter and said, Matt and Morgan, your podcast is just great. And I love the way you interact. Thanks. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Yay! Which means that our like our, our thinly veiled <laughs> hatred antagonism, <laughs> yeah, is is actually the way to go. I guess I guess we've been doing yeah, the right it, thing it, all it, along. We'll, we will say like it is a it is actually a hard thing to do the the funny man straight man sort of bit. It it's harder for one of us than it is for the other one. I'll I'll say that much. One of us has to exemplify a lot more patience than the other one. I mean, we literally <laughs> switched roles last week and that did not go so well. It didn't. It didn't. We were like, holy shit, this is worse than ever. <laughs> so we do appreciate it. We're glad that um, that it's working for you guys, which is great for me because that means I can tell more dick jokes about Gregory Peck and more jokes about Spank and Elvis. That's so wonderful. I'm just kidding. Um, I won't. I'll settle down. No, you won't. <laughs> I won't. What a liar. Just lying <laughs> right right to my face. Right off the bat, starting the fresh episode off with a good, bold-faced lie. Okay. Let me reiterate, as I said last week, Yeah. we are not ready for Stay Away Joe. Mm -hmm. Not yet. Yeah, I'm definitely not ready. Not at least to waste, just because I'm actually currently finishing the source material. Oh, yeah. Matt's reading the book. More on that when we talk about it. Yeah. I'm going the extra mile, Not only folks. does Matt... Please appreciate yeah. how I do these things. I'm, <laughs> I hope somebody has to because Jesus Christ, like 
he's reading the book he's writing the you know the excerpts and the notes on on the movie and he's doing the editing so you got to give them to him guys probably working a little too much <laughs> needs to take a break maybe and that's what the comeback special kind of is for us right it's a break from yeah from the movie stuff it was a break for elvis and it was a break for us so i jokingly asked matt how we were supposed to fill an hour's worth of podcast time based on the comeback special because it is just elvis singing and a dancing and matt scoffed at me and then said you think i don't have an hour's worth of things to talk about in the comeback special and i was like okay <laughs> So uh, I guess he's got a lot of information for us. It's true because this, although this is a TV production, there are directors, there are writers, there's a bunch of costume people, there's people involved with there's this. There's some amazing dancers. Yes. There's some like really crazy dance stuff going I on. I have really, I'm going to focus on two specific, because the, the different, there's just like the concert sit down footage because they did it in multiple sections. Mm-hmm. There was a stand up yeah. section in like a square stage and then there's a sit down with the band session. And they took all those individual sessions and chopped it up and then put it into the thing. But there was like two big elaborate sequences. Yeah. They're like big numbers with all kinds of elaborate stuff. So we'll, we'll, we'll get to it when we yeah. get to it. But overall, what was your... Had you ever seen in its entirety the 1968 comeback special? No. No, we didn't. I, like the first movie, like the first video media that I ever consumed that had Elvis in it was Kid Galahad. And then after that, it was like one or two other movies. I'd never actually seen Elvis as a touring musician. I'd never seen his documentaries. I'd never watched a documentary, nothing like that. Because our house was already like so inundated with mm. with Elvis music. Like we listened to Elvis music literally like, I don't know, almost every day. <laughs> it was a lot. So there wasn't really a need for us to also watch Elvis on TV and listen to Elvis on TV. Just wasn't really a thing that we did. Had you seen it beforehand? No, I'd seen bits and pieces. Oh. I knew of the classic leather, the black leather jumpsuit. Yeah, let's talk about that for a minute. Let's do it. Can we? Yeah. Do you know what that look is actually from? Go ahead. There's a specific artist. Did you did you ever watch the documentary Rumble? It's about indigenous artists in rock and roll in the early formative years of rock and roll, and it talks about how rock and roll got started and was really like a lot of the backbone of rock and roll was built off of indigenous musicians. And one of the musicians that was at the beginning of rock and roll was Link Ray. I know Link Ray. Yeah. Link Ray's part native. He's part mm-hmm. indigenous. And that's why he's included in the rumble talking about indigenous rockers. And I think shout out to Link Ray. Very good artist. Shout out to Link Ray. So rumble was like this rock song and Link Ray looked very similar to Elvis, like in terms of like the hairstyle and you know the whole kind of shtick but in one of the performances for a song or i guess in a lot of the performances for rumble he's wearing a leather jacket and a pair of pants and he looks very much like elvis does Mm. i'm pretty sure that that outfit is supposed to hearken to the roots of rock and roll i have a feeling like it might it's possible might be connected but yeah. I don't have too much to say about the guy who did the costumes. We'll talk about him, but I didn't go super deep dive into what his thought process was. Yeah. All I know is that I can tell you what this could have been. Okay. If Colonel Tom Parker had gotten his way. Yes. Luckily, he didn't. This is maybe the one time where they're just like hard no on any of his suggestions. Right. So Colonel Tom Parker, because here's the idea. They had this idea like, okay, he finagled that this was a contract between NBC. Okay. A contract for, because I think it was at this point, people were not willing to pay the $1 million that Elvis (laughs) was going by for like his, his fee to be in movies. Yeah. So he decided, he's like, okay, what if we do a movie and a TV special for a million dollars? So there's a little extra. So NBC was like, 
okay, I guess that works. And so he did this and that NBC movie or the movie involved with Universal, which is NBC, uh, was Change of Habit, his final film. Right. Which is why he had to do that movie because he'd already signed the contract. I see. (laughs) Um, Okay. That'll be our grand finale. We'll get to that. Okay. But anyways, so then they're like, okay, what's this going to be? Well, we're going to probably release it around December. So let's make it like a Christmas special because, you know, those are always festive and fun and draws the, the viewers. And Colonel Tom Parker's vision for this was Elvis in a powder blue tuxedo singing Christmas carols for an hour long. Oh my God. <laughs> that would have been so sad. And so producer oh, and director of this, Steve Binder, more on him later, was like, no. <laughs> How about instead we just have Elvis looking awesome and singing all the hits, you know? Yeah. I think that's something that people would actually want. Yeah. And so that's what they did. And he was right. That's good. <laughs> Yeah, it really does hold up as like a concert special. Yeah. You know, it it's really great. And um, yeah, it's a really great performance. Specifically, we watched the special edition version of the special, which added a bit of extra because the original runtime for the, the as it aired on TV was just under an hour plus commercials and stuff. Right. And this final this special edition comes up to an hour and 16, was it or something like that? Just like an hour and a quarter? Yeah, yeah, about that, yeah. Uh so they added a, a few extra like just the chatting in between songs and and Oh yeah. I noticed that. Yeah, that was nice. It was nice to You can you can it's really nice to see those moments because you can tell that like there was a different relationship between Elvis and, and the crowd, right? Mm-hmm. It was nice to see. It's the sort of thing that you don't get so much today with like with musicians that are as big as Elvis was because there's just there's just no way for them to really, you know, if you think about Beyonce going to her concert and singing with her concert, you know, that personableness isn't really present it's pretty removed from the relationship to the audience right so it was really fun to see that and really nice yeah this was all by design they wanted to make it a a smaller scale more intimate kind of thing yeah they did a good job show him just like he's a cool dude that you want to hang out with it's fun to watch the girls just be like oh my god elvis oh my god it's fun he's like my god that poor leather suit you could tell he was very very hot (laughs) in that full leather suit and so the girls kept passing him napkins to to wipe down with and you could just see like little handkerchiefs yes yeah the little handkerchiefs yeah you could you could and he would wipe his forehead and hand it back and then they put it in their little purse for later they're like yeah (laughs) did you watch so so, uh, other than the the feature itself there was also some outtakes i didn't watch the outtakes there was just extra footage there's a part where he's got like a piece of lint on the side of his face and one of the the bandmates who's is like that was part of the that was part of the actual performance they were talking about that during the performance. He was like, there's something in my lip. No, that's him making fun of the scowl he used to do in his movies. Uh, okay. No, it's like an actual piece gotcha. of lint like on his cheek. And then one of the band dudes <laughs> is like, Elvis, hold still. You got a little something on. And then the girls are like, oh, pass it to us. And then, yeah, they take the little piece of freaking lint. <laughs> oh, my God. That's wild. Wrap it in a little <laughs> kerchief and put it in a, a purse. Gross. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, I mean, fangirls, Yikes. yo. <laughs> yeah. Parasocial relationships. Mm. Yes, yeah, so going back to him talking about like, there's something wrong with my lip. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. You know, remember that? Remember that? He's talking about. <laughs> yeah. And he says the line, he says, let me tell you something, fellas. I did 29 pictures like that. <laughs> and I mean, I'm not going to fault Elvis for being slightly incorrect there because 
the timeline doesn't match up. He wouldn't have done 29 yet. Yeah. Unless he was just, he was thinking like some of this stuff was in pre-production or something. True. But he might as well, I mean, it's just, that's just me being an extra stickler for no reason. I'm going to give him, cut him some slack. He's, he's hot in this damn thing. He can't think in this leather outfit. Yeah. (laughs) I'm surprised. I'm surprised he could think straight, let alone get up and dance and perform. Like I have a feeling I once had a friend that wore a pair of leather pants on a very hot occasion and like you might think that leather pants don't sweat but they do and i have a feeling that after elvis took off those pair of pants he was a very slick man mm. <laughs> it's just crazy you know because the spotlights are on he, you he like... could have slid across the floor like that dude paul did yeah. in the last movie <laughs> straight into the elevator absolutely absolutely and I would, correct me if i'm wrong but You've talked in the past how you were Elvis once. Yep. It was very hot. And you said you wore this outfit. I wore a leather jacket. We didn't have any leather pants. Okay. That's so I had just to wear as a pair well, of black sure. denim jeans. Yeah. But you can imagine like you can imagine the like under area sweat on a woman's body, how sweaty that part of my body got when I had to like duct tape my bonga hungalugas down to my body to make myself nice and smooth so I could play Elvis. I was very, very hot in that outfit. Very sweaty. Gotta suffer for that art. <laughs> I'd do it again. Yeah. Of course. I, the only reason I haven't dressed up as Elvis again is because I'm growing my hair out for, <laughs> to do my braids. And uh, I can't I can't MacGyver that into an Elvis haircut <laughs> anymore. There's just too much hair for me to pretend that I can be Elvis. So Don't listen to her. She was, she's been dressed up as Elvis every single episode of this podcast. This whole time. Just never yeah. <laughs> every single time I've been on for here. No I've one's been benefit, wearing an Elvis. I've been wearing... <laughs> I've been wearing an outfit from the movie that we've been talking about every single time. Like really accurate. I'm like, man, you're going the extra yeah. mile. You must have been heading to the fabric shop every other week to. Yeah, bringing them photos. I've bought so many patterns of just Elvis suits. I have a rhinestone <laughs> machine now. It's gotten out of control. Yes. I am honestly considering though bringing like a like a fringe jacket to do our live taping in our uh, our video uh, our video episode in. Think that would be fun won't it be fun when it, it'll just be another audio thing you'll have you'll have done all that effort and we'll end up just making it another audio only yeah possible possible i don't know we'll see i always i just want a fringe jacket to be honest sure yeah it's just a good excuse <laughs> yeah okay so yeah general thoughts we got that we're gonna rein ourselves back in a bit mm-hmm. oh you want to play the the song guessing game do you know how many songs he sang in this <laughs> Oh jeez! Now, take into account, I, I've not, I've any duplications, any duplicates, like because there's recurring. He he sings trouble and guitar man. That's like a recurring theme throughout to bookend different things. But individually, just and even taking like I'm I'm counting the medleys individually. Okay, fifteen. A little bit higher. Eighteen. A little bit higher. Twenty. Twenty-seven. Okay, that's not a little bit higher. <laughs> that's a lot higher. <laughs> if I say eighteen and you're like, okay twice as high as you just said that's not a little bit higher (laughs) it's fine uh yeah that's a lot yeah do you have a favorite number uh um i really liked i mean i liked a lot of them a lot of them were my favorites you know it wasn't my favorite the one that i want to remark on just because it surprised me to hear it in there was freaking little egypt that is the biggest surprise of all i like little egypt came on and i was like are you kidding me the return of little egypt yeah for those of you who are like just jumping into this series halfway through, a little, it's gonna get stuck in your head all over again. It, I know. I was just gonna say nah, like nah, when nah, we first nah. listened to it. It's, it's very very catchy. 
So I was I was surprised, <laughs> almost pleasantly surprised to see it back in there. Um, I really liked the opening just because the performance was really strong. Has there, yeah, let's just say amazingly strong opening, amazing closer. Like this is a really yeah. solid package. Yeah, he did a great job. Oh, the song that I liked the most. Um, I'm leaving town show. That's all right. Oh, that's all right. Yeah, that's all right. That's all right now, mama. Yeah, that was that was. I was really happy to see that. I also liked. Um, I can't remember what the name of it is though. It's the the one where there there's like the dance number is gonna start, and it's a gospel song, and they they bring in these three ladies, these like background singers that. I feel like they were styled to look like Diana and the Supremes. Like they had like the like really similar haircuts even to the girls and it was just Yes, that's the Blossoms. Ah. Oh. It's Darlene Love, Fanita James, Jean King, the Blossoms play in the background singers, isn't it? Cool. Yeah, they I I really enjoyed them. They were really fun. But that that whole um not the entire performance, but there was parts of it that I really were like, wow, this is really wild. It was really cool. It was really like um I didn't like the the only what I didn't like about it was the context of the song. I didn't like this idea that like Elvis was on stage singing about how he stopped drinking and stopped smoking and stopped partying and um, because he found the Lord and it's like he was like in the middle of a drug addiction, you know, that was kind of a bit much. Well, I mean, you know. <laughs> but the song was still like really cool. It was really cool and it was a nice nod to like the roots of of rock and roll music, which it, which is gospel and rhythm and blues and and that sort of and you know that sort of thing. So that was really nice to see, and it was really nice to get some black performers in there and to see some black performers as well, since rhythm and blues and gospel is like built off of their backs and not Elvis's. <laughs> so, yes. So let me okay. Nice let's to, let's take uh, a moment then to yeah. appreciate. So yeah. Th- we fade to black, and then when we fade back in, boom, right off the bat, we got Claude Thompson. Yeah. He's the main dancer, and he was the choreographer for this whole sequence. Yeah, he, he was amazing. And he had an uncredited role the same year, 1968, in uh, the musical Finian's Rainbow. Mm, cool stuff. Yeah. Matt, can you tell me what kind of dance they were dancing? Do you know? Is it some form of Without looking it up? Jazz? It is. It's a type of jazz. The jazz dance certainly wasn't go-go that's for sure yeah no no it definitely wasn't look at go-go. the effort and look at the style and the yeah. grace <laughs> it wasn't just like whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa whoa let's just flop around yeah there was a couple of scenes where like some there was some girls up on stage doing a big jump and a twist and landing on their knees as they did yeah. and it was like you could tell that took some effort some took some serious engagement so yeah it was really nice to see like artists you know it was nice to get away from the movies and their their schlop and actually see like artists trying to do their craft. That was nice. And then we'll get to him later. The the other main choreographer. So that's the thing is that there's the two standout sequences of like with like slight narratives. There's the gospel medley. Yeah. And then there's the one later where he visits a bordello, which uh, by the way was cut from the original broadcast. Yeah, I can imagine. Old singer sewing company was like, eh, I don't know about this. So that yeah, part didn't make it. But quite. I think the the parts around that, yeah. like when he sings uh, Big Boss Man and stuff, that's all still there. Yeah. And then there's a bunch of dance fi- yeah, dance crazy. fighting. Yeah. He does some karate. Yeah, a lot of dance fighting. Yeah. So. Can we talk about the lighting on this production? Sure. 
I don't know if you've got like anything on a cinematographer or something like that. I couldn't know. Like, it wasn't listed. He's not. Yeah, it was fabulous. Like yeah. the colors are so vivid and the sets are working so like dynamically, you know, like they're they're really blocking out shapes really well and making everything a lot of fun. And it, it was just really nice to see. So my hat's off to the unnamed cinematographer or lighting guy or whoever was in charge, art director. Sure. Well, I'll tell you who I can talk about. Let's go. Yeah, let's talk about these people. Okay. If you're listening to this episode, when it drops, it will be December 3rd. And that is the same day that this originally aired back in 1968. Hmm. And it's also my birthday. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> and so the director of this is Steve Binder. Okay. He was only 31. Like, he was up and up and coming. This is only the second. Wow. Yeah. He did a good job. Yeah. The same year as this, he had done an earlier TV special for Petula Clark, huh. who we've mentioned a few times. And yeah, they almost co-starred together because she was offered the role in Paradise Wine Style. Yeah. So yeah, it was just called Petula. came out in 1968. And he went on to direct Liza for the Liza Minnelli in 1970. So he did a lot of TV Ooh. specials. But okay. <laughs> maybe the thing that he will always be known for, unfortunately was in 1978 when he was the director of the Star Wars Holiday Special. Oh, no. Are you familiar with the Star Wars Holiday Special? I have not seen it, but I've seen little snippets See, of it floating around. For my bad movie club, we watched it in its entirety. This was my first time sitting through the whole thing start to finish uh, last December as our like holiday content Right. for bad movie club. And it is really bad. You can see, I mean, once I realized where I read that, I was like, okay, that makes sense. Because it is in itself another just like variety show TV thing, mm-hmm. but it's just really bad. And he was actually, I'm going to give him a little bit of leeway because he wasn't the first director. He was brought in after this, the first director quit, like a few days into shooting stuff. That was a guy named David Akamba who was friends with George Lucas. They had gone to school together. So he shot the musical number that B. Arthur has at the bar and also- okay the Jefferson Starship concert footage that is incorporated into the Star Wars Holiday Special. Okay. Should I, well, you know, like the plot is that- No, I don't know anything about the special. I don't know anything about it except that- Okay, this is, let me just do a brief mini review then. Okay. Chewbacca, right? You know Chewbacca. Yeah. <laughs> so him and Han Solo are out in the Millennium Falcon. They're flying around. They're u- reusing footage from the first Star Wars. Cause this literally is it like out. actually Harrison Ford? Like That's the thing. Oh they God. actually got Harrison Ford. They actually got Carrie Fisher. They actually got Mark Hamill. Yeah. They somehow That's talked wild. him into doing this. <laughs> thinking, hey, it'll be a good idea. It wasn't. <laughs> That's insane. Anyways, so they're flying around. And they're, the whole point of the special is that they want to get back to Chewbacca's family's house for life day. It's a Star Wars <laughs> okay. holiday. Which most people, right. so most people now retroactively assume that the Star Wars holiday special was a Christmas special. Yeah. Some people even call it the Star Wars Christmas special, but it was a holiday special and it came out around Thanksgiving. Oh. And really Life Day is closer equivalent to Thanksgiving in the Star Wars universe in a way. Oh, that's interesting. But that's here. That's neither here though, because it was the end of November it, it aired originally. Wait, wait, wait. That makes it stranger. Like it's one thing to, you know, contact these big name actors who've been in this franchise for a Christmas like, special you want to make a you want to make a Christmas special not for a Christmas special for a Thanksgiving special well <laughs> they're just I mean like I said they still call it a holiday special and life day isn't a real holiday yeah. it's a Star Wars universe yeah. holiday so they figured it, it could just keep you know it works for both it only aired the one time and then never again and then like George Lucas has done everything in his power to suppress <laughs> he was bet. quoted one time as saying if I had a sledgehammer and enough time I would destroy every single copy <laughs> of this thing that exists <laughs> Okay, anyways, 
so yeah and then there's a bunch of shenanigans um i don't know if you knew that between the first and empire strikes back mark hamill was in a motorcycle accident and actually got i did know that so that's why he had his face all banged up in the in the movie yes but in this one he was still recovering and they just caked his face and he looks like a Ken doll. It's really creepy and, and, and bad. <laughs> oh, jeez. God, imagine getting into like a serious motorcycle accident and then having your having your bosses be like, we need you to do a holiday special. Get in front of the camera, Mark. You're going to look great. We'll, we'll fix you up. Yeah. Uh, Jesus. He's Yeah, he's just got like rosy cheeks. Like it's really upsetting. Anyways, Steve Binder directed this thing. Right. But we're focusing on the fact that he directed the comeback special. Yeah. Which is very good. Yeah. So don't watch the Star Wars Holiday Special. <laughs> Unless you you have a bunch of drinks and a bunch of friends. Yeah. You can maybe make it through with that. But it's even then it's tough. Like, yeah. Uh, anyways, let's talk about... Oh, actually, I just remembered that Steve Bender is supposed to appear in a documentary in 2022 about the production of this very special. Ooh. So they're doing like a deep dive into how this all came together. Cool. Which at that point will probably render this podcast obsolete because you could just get much more <laughs> well-told information with visuals and everything. But hey, until then. I'm pretty sure everybody is coming for your tender, soothing voice and charm. Mm-hmm. So we have nothing to worry about. So the writers on this, we've got two writers. we got Chris Beard okay. and Alan Bly. Nice. Together, they also wrote a 1971 TV movie adaptation of the musical of Lil Abner, oh. which, if you remember, was relevant to our Kissing Cousins discussion because they pretty much yeah. just ripped off Lil Abner for the plot of Kissing Cousins and the whole hillbillies right. and stuff. That's right. Yeah. But speaking of actual and also other actual Christmas shows, they wrote the 19 the same year, 1971, the Andy Williams Christmas show. So these guys are pro-seasoned TV specialized writers. Yeah, Alan Bly solo had worked as writer on Petula right. for Steve Binder, so they already knew each other. Gotcha. And Chris Beard on his own actually directed one movie. Okay. So once again, my ears perked up. was like, oh, he did just the one. And that's always very strange to me when this happens. And even stranger, it was a 1983 horror film spoof called Hysterical. That's really weird. Yes. Extra weird because he directed it, but otherwise had nothing to do with it. It was written and stars the Hudson brothers that were singers. Okay. So Bill Hudson, Mark Hudson, and Brett Hudson. Okay. And so they wrote themselves a star vehicle, which was like a spoof of horror films. Weird. And one interesting trivia bit I found listed on IMDb is that there's a sequence with dancing zombies. (laughs) Came out in 83, four months before Michael Jackson's thriller came out. Oh. And so they can claim that they had dancing zombies before he did. I see. I see. But if we're going by which who did it better, obviously Michael Jackson's really obviously video Michael is Jackson did a masterpiece. Better. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anywho, that's Chris Beard. So let's talk about the costume designer. Okay. Bill Ballou. He also did the costumes for Petula, 1968. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. A lot of the crew that Steve Binder got for that yeah. Petula special, he's like, you guys did Coming good work. Let's continue one. on. We're yeah. doing one for Elvis next. Oh, there you go. I have it written down. That came out April of 1968. Nice. And then he went on to just be Elvis's costume designer for the rest of his career, including all his Vegas times. Nice. So those big white jumpsuits with the rhinestones, that's all him. So can- right. That's all him. I like him. They make a good match. He he, he knew what yeah. made Elvis, what would frame Elvis the best, you know? Yeah. Because they talk about the reason all the suits were white mm-hmm. was just for lighting purposes. Yeah. Because then you could just shine any kind of light and it would like, you know, soak in the light. Take if it, it was a black outfit, yeah. then it would just, you know, it wouldn't work as well. Yeah. 
he did the costumes for five different specials for the Carpenters. Oh. He did the 1975's An Evening with John Denver. Mm. He designed for Ella Fitzgerald, Gladys Knight, The Osmonds, The Jacksons, and Josephine Baker. So he's pretty good at dressing performers specifically. Yes. It looks like he knows, yeah, how to dress a performer. And your gal, Josephine Baker, which we brought up all the way back in our King Creole episode. Mm Mm-hmm. She's the one who first encouraged him to work as a costume designer. Oh. Allegedly. So that'll work out. Interesting. Now there's a few different wardrobe changes. Shall we do, I mean, might as well take advantage anytime we can have the chance to. Are we going to talk about our favorites? Sure. Um, I think my favorite, I think that like for me, like the most iconic out of the comeback special is is the leather suit. I mean, he's he has that for the majority of the picture. Yeah. Yeah. The leather suit is definitely where it's at. But he's got a pretty nice burgundy outfit. Big I do like the burgundy during the co- the yeah. gospel sequence. He has a blue yeah. denim kind of ensemble during the. Uh, what do uh, yeah? We gotta find a name Can't for remember. the second sequence. I guess it's just the guitar man trouble sequence. Nothingville. Yeah. The Bordello. Let's yeah. Let's let's call it the Bordello sequence. Even though in the original sure. edit there was no Bordello. Um, I like his shiny gold suit. Yes. So there was With famously the burgundy trim the album. 50,000 Elvis fans can't be wrong, where he wore a full gold outfit, yeah. top and bottom. And yeah. when Bill here was like, oh, let's do that again, Elvis was a little hesitant. I guess maybe he was kind of embarrassed by that. Yeah. Aww. But he, they compromised. So he wore the gold top, but he had black pants to go with it. I see. Yeah. And also, yeah, that's the the, the outfit he wears while singing Little Egypt. So there's that. Yeah. Yeah. Really nice, classy white outfit for the closer. Yep. There's one part where, because there's like, it kind of goes into a montage near the end. And there's one part where he's got like, it's got purple trim. Mm -hmm. It's like a dark, it might be, the whole thing might be purple, but the rest is really dark purple. But there's like nice accents of purple on like the collar. Yeah. Um, Elvis looks good in purple. Yeah. No. He looks so good in purple. Most like vibrant, strong colors. Yeah. I know he himself was a big fan of blue. Yeah. So maybe he wouldn't have been that. (laughs) Maybe he would have gone with Colonel Tom Parker in that stupid powder blue. Who knows? Baby blue of (laughs) it. So, speaking of blue, there we go. Actually, I, I, yeah. I got it and I figured it out. I, I grabbed onto that thread. <laughs> yeah, this was supposed to be like, it came out in December. And so it was ostensibly a Christmas special. Yeah. And yet, the special edition version we watched, at least, did not include Blue Christmas. Blue Christmas. Which yeah. was like the only actual Christmas song that was sung in the, <laughs> the original broadcast. Yeah. I've I've watched the broadcast version as well, which is shorter. Yeah. And is differently edited. There's cuz there's yeah, the special edition did do a few things where like the transition would suddenly like screen wipe and I was like, "Okay, that's yeah, obviously that wasn't how right. it was yeah. originally ordered." But other than that, they got everything. I was just shocked that we actually for some reason, even with the the extra content, we were still missing a song. That just might be the weird release that we watched. I wonder if it was a way to sort of capitalize on Blue Christmas as like in only keeping it on certain albums right trying to make it more exclusive or making the whole special feel less tied to a certain time of the year by just removing it altogether yeah so okay yeah let's move on to the second choreographer dancer worth talking about okay for that second sequence jamie rogers now when he was fighting this gang yeah that are dance fighting (laughs) You got to admit, you might have been thinking to yourself, is this as close as we'll ever get to Elvis in West Side Story? It really has that vibe. Oh, I didn't want to say it. <laughs> Once they put the jazz dancers in there, I was like, uh-oh. He's got the, he's got the leather vest 
bare <laughs> chest and the bandana. Yeah, I think that's as close as we'll get, Matt. And you know why? Because Jamie Rogers played Loco in West Side Story in 1961. <gasps> he was part of the Sharks. It all comes around. It all comes together. Finally, Matt can get Elvis and West Side Story together in one place at one time. What are you talking about? I don't know. We've talked about so many co-stars that were also in West Side Story. I know. I'm just trying to make the comeback special special. <laughs> I mean, it already is just because Elvis doesn't have to act. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's obviously still playing it up for like the film sequences. I like the big boss man yeah. thing when the big boss man just like, boom, yeah. he's like, hey, we don't want no guitar man around here. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fun. So there's one other person during the the Let Yourself Go, Yeah. which was, of course, a song from Speedway. Yeah. So that that had been a fresh, just finished, you know, just come out song. Yeah. So there's this blonde girl there that he interacts with. Yeah. Who is she? She's Suzanne Henning. Yeah. And we will see her in Live a Little, Love a Little coming up. Oh, nice. Where without any context, her credit in Live a Little, Love a Little is Mermaid. <laughs> so I don't know if we're going to watch an Elvis movie coming up where there is just a legitimate mermaid. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That happened in Beach Blanket Bingo. I think that was the one thing I didn't re- mention. Okay, but let's be fair, though. Beach Blanket Bingo had a lot of different avenues that it could have gone, and so it's not surprising No, 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 yes. It's just I feel I need to mention I forgot to mention there was a mermaid in Beach Blanket <laughs> Bingo. That, like, the, do- yeah. the dopey character who's, like... I didn't watch Beach I know, Blanket I know, no. Bingo, I know. so... It- I don't know. He just, he falls in love with this lady who's a mermaid. Nice. And no one believes him. And then at the end, they see her like go off and then the tail and everything. They're like, oh, damn, there was a real mermaid. What the heck? <laughs> uh, there's also the belly dancer. Yep. During the Little Egypt scene. Mm-hmm. Tanya Lemani. Yep. Uh, she actually has 45 credits. Oh. She's been in some stuff. She was in the original Star Trek show oh. at one point. Uh. Played Kara in the episode Wolf in the Fold. 1967, so that was just the year before this thing. Nice. <laughs> She's in a 1973 movie called Did Baby Shoot Her Sugar Daddy? <laughs> okay. I'm just reading this like I like this is just off the cuff. <laughs> I will refrain from saying any more of her things. Cause Oh, are they sad? No. Are they D- trashy? Don't press me. <laughs> just just saying I'm being nice. For once. Oh, are they are they about Nishnab people? Are they, is she does she play cowboy movies? <laughs> no, Morgan. <laughs> she was in an episode. No, no. <laughs> okay. Anyways. <laughs> Never again. Of the man from Uncle. No, she was... <laughs> and I dream of Jeannie and Get Smart and Mikhail's Navy. Hey, we were talking about that. Huh. So she's in a lot of TV. Actually. Yeah, she's in a lot of TV stuff. Yeah. <laughs> She was also in an episode of The Flying Nun. <laughs> <laughs> no! <laughs> Can never get away from that. At such a vulnerable time in our podcast, too, we're taking a break from the schlop. You know, we're supposed to be getting away from it. And here she comes, flying in with her weird friggin' hat. Yes. All right, I think we've jumped around a bit and more or less covered the things. So I do have a bunch of factoids. Okay. So... Elvis Presley had become rather unpopular by 1968, you know, Mm -hmm. but still 42% of television viewing audience of America watched the show, making it the most watched television program in America in 1968. Wow. Yes. So the only part of the extended musical number that was pulled from the original broadcast was Let Yourself Go. Mm -hmm. You know, and that one's, yeah, it's so wild. It was very pink. Yeah, it was. It was very pink. I was going to say that. Very hyperly edited. Yeah. Yeah. 
a lot of strange camera angles, a lot of like strange shots. Yeah, they rebroadcasted the special in 69, but they replaced the Blue Christmas number with Tiger Man. Oh, I see. So I didn't like that one as much. No, the song didn't really, you know, ring no, a bell. Yeah, it wasn't a great. Yeah. Okay, so let's get to the big closing okay. of the thing. One of my favorite Presley performances, honestly. The yeah. If I Can Dream. Have you seen the other? Have you seen any other clips from the other documentaries that we're going to watch? No. Because there's one performance that I can think of that might might outdo this I, one. I meant, sorry, well, I mean, it's just say for this. <laughs> yeah, I think for sure. So originally it was supposed to be a spoken word piece. He was going to like, because oh. of course, you know, Martin Luther King had just been assassinated recently right. and Robert Kennedy had also just been shot mm-hmm. not too long. And so like shit was bad and especially shit was bad in the South. Yeah, it wasn't great in the South. In in Elvis's beloved Memphis. So he was like, geez, you know. And then for the show's closer, Binder decided to replace the spoken statement with a song. He instructed Goldenberg. Oh, yeah, I guess we could have mentioned that Bill Goldenberg did like all the musical arrangements and mm-hmm. did a great job. Yeah, no, he instructed Goldenberg and lyricist Walter Earl Brown to write a song that reflected Presley and his beliefs. And that very same night, Brown r- sat down and wrote, If I Can Dream. Wow. And he sent it to Colonel Tom Parker, oh, no. who still thought that the show should end with "I'll be home for Christmas." Oh boy! Um, oh, so he was gonna. Glad. Yeah, I know. So once again, they just yeah. bypassed Parker and they just gave the song to Elvis <laughs> himself. And Elvis is like, "Yo, this slaps!" And then he's like, "I'm gonna sing this." Nice. So. Yeah, I'm glad that that happened. <laughs> I'm glad that that's how it all came out. This is yeah. This is the best version that this could have been. Yeah. For sure. All the alternatives would have been bad and they were all rejected and they were all mostly Tom all, Parker's Yeah, ideas. all things considering, yeah, all things considering, especially how close Tom Parker was as a manager to begin with, right? He, he was still really holding on to a lot of the reins. I'm glad to hear that in this production... Uh, His power the, uh, was not there. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's an alternate timeline where they go with this super sappy Christmas powder blue version. It bombs. Mm-hmm. And then Elvis and he just does, does like 20 more movies and it never ends. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, it'd be really bad. Before they go into the gospel, I'm just going to jump to just things as they sure. pop into my head. But, uh, before <laughs> they go into the gospel number, the medley, he talks about modern rock and roll, how it's how it's progressed and stuff. Yeah, and he, how it's changing. He, and he talks yeah. about the Beatles. He says he likes yeah. the Beatles, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah, I just like all his, the casual talk and stuff is fun. Yeah, it, it was nice to see it, right? It's nice to see him. You can tell he's tired. You can tell he's kind of worn thin maybe a little bit. But you can also tell, like, especially in those moments, because that's just the nature sometimes when you're performing. Mm-hmm, it takes a, it does take a lot out of especially you. Especially when you're wearing and, a, um, a furnace. <laughs> yeah, a literal furnace, right? But it's it was it's nice to see him in those times engaging with an audience. It's just the sort of thing that you don't get to see, like, these days amongst performers and their audience at least not like you can see it in smaller settings like if you know with indie bands and smaller bands in general but to see large stars like elvis presley you know especially on a situation like this where you're you're returning to form you know that's really nice to see very engaging very personable it's nice i'm jealous of the girls (laughs) i wish i had been there for that Jealous of their hairstyles. What the heck were going on with a lot of those? My <laughs> yeah, it was a lot. Yeah. Eh? Ooh, so much that's, volume. <laughs> you know, like we're seeing, it's really, that's the other thing that I liked about this is that in these movies, you see fashion as it's designed to look. Right. And in this, you see fashion as it's, 
as it's presented as it by is, yeah. as it is yeah so it was really nice um seeing all of the uh the ladies in their in their cotton dresses and their 60s beehives and their big hair it was a lot of fun you think that big red elvis sign with all the light bulbs is out there somewhere in some warehouse still around gosh that thing is I, quite the centerpiece <laughs> i i wish you know did i ever tell you the story i have the story a story to tell about my grandmother's velvet elvis painting have i told the story on this podcast i don't think you've yet? told it on the podcast so have at it so my grandmother like she, not only did she listen to elvis all day every day but she had a lot of his stuff she had pictures of him and she used to collect scarves from the elvis performers she used to go down to graceland every year with my aunt and collect their scarves and they toss them out to the mm. audience and uh, one of the things that she had that we unfortunately lost um, after she passed was a painting of elvis presley but it was painted onto black velvet and so it it was a painting that like used the black background to do his like hair and right. and all of the other things. And it was just such a fascinating painting that as a kid I was obsessed with because I used to just rub my hands on it <laughs> and just rub my hands up and down Elvis's like rhinestone jacket and like touch all the rhinestones and be like, wow, that's amazing. And it's just like, it's just fueled my part of my love for Elvis mm. whenever I think of him I always think of that velvet painting of him like in a white rhinestone jacket like singing and being all Rrr. I used to fall asleep to that beside my bed every night <laughs> and now now he's gone lost like this billboard is lost somewhere out into the wind I hope that whoever found that painting that they kept it and take good care of it. <laughs> oh yeah, you and better I hope that cherish whoever that. Found, whoever you are. Yeah, and I hope whoever there. found the giant red Elvis sign with blinking lights. I hope you found it and you kept it safe as well. <laughs> All right. Um. I, dang it! I'm starting to struggle on. Con I said we could fill yeah, the hour. I was gonna say it's. I should have, have spoken there, slower, but I was just so excited because it's a really good, good Elvis content. You notice what it is, Chad? I haven't been making any jokes this podcast either, so we're having a lot of extra time. <laughs> Anything else you want to talk about, Matt? Um, Anything else noteworthy or interesting about this special? Give me a sec. Okay. I do know that actress Cheryl Ladd is apparently in the audience. She's like at at the front of the stage wearing like a big yellow bow. Oh, I know who you're talking about. The camera zoomed in on her for a minute. Yeah, but she wasn't even, she hadn't done any acting yet this was before she was famous she was just a random oh in the crowd yeah these things happen and it's always Crazy. interesting yeah neat can we talk about the chick that was in the front of the stage who had a portrait of elvis and was like just sitting with a portrait <laughs> of elvis sure <laughs> i thought that was really funny <laughs> shout out to that chick okay so here's me doubling back on some of my fact checking from earlier okay so it's October 1967, and Parker approaches the vice president of NBC, Tom Sarnoff. Yeah. And he's like, okay, we're going to do this Christmas special television deal plus a movie for a million and $250,000. That's a lot. Which is about $9.7 today. Jesus. So that was, so yeah, 850000 of that $1,250,000 is for the movie. Oh. And then 25000 goes to the soundtrack. And then 250000 for the special, and then the remaining 125000 for the cost related to the rerun of the show. I see. 
and then yeah the singer i don't have any information on why specifically the singer corporation was the ones that sponsored this (laughs) do you own a singer sewing machine i do okay yeah yeah i do i own um i had a brother for a long time that's a sewing machine company by the way (laughs) and uh, i have a singer too um, and then I got rid of my brother. And somebody sold me their singer for a rock bottom price. Special shout out to to Doreen, a former employee of Fabricland, who sold me a sewing machine for 60 big cojones. Nice. Thank you very much. A steal. It is by your good graces that I remain in the in the company of a sewing machine to this day. A reliable machine. Yeah, pretty reliable. There's a reason they're like the reliable. top the they're, top brand. They're not the top brand. Oh. They're the most recognized brand mm. because they are the most user-friendly and approachable. They're pretty cheaply made. So a singer sewing, they used to be made a lot better. They used to be the gold standard. And then, you know, the 90s happened. So in 1968, maybe they were the top brand. Yeah, in 1968, they were probably one of the better better quality ones. But yeah, now today, you buy a singer for somebody who's just about to start sewing. You get them a singer because it's the easiest one to use. It's the most bang for your buck. And um, it's only like after they've been sewing for like, you know, maybe five, ten years that they'll probably buy themselves their own nice, nice sewing machine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it says Presley's initial reaction to the special was negative. But then again, he was probably hearing what Tom Parker's vision of it was. Uh, there's a line here that just straight up says he had no interest in Parker's opinion on the project. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And they mentioned, yeah, so the producer of this was Bob Finkel, and he's the one who's then like, I'm going to get you Steve Binder. He just did this thing with Tula Clark, and it all came together. I should mention, if people are big fans of this, uh, in 2018, the 50th anniversary of the special, they put out this super deluxe edition, which is like a five-CD set with all the music, and then a two-Blu-ray disc included that has the original, as it was broadcast version except they also they reinstated the bordello so i think there there isn't like a pure original broadcast version which which doesn't have that right but closer to what it is than the special edition we watched closer to like 56 minutes 57 minutes and it also includes the uncut raw footage of the entirety of the sit down portions and the stand-up portions Mm -hmm. like just the separate elements just unedited just in their pure forms which is pretty cool gotcha yeah nice uh super pricey but Maybe down the line one day and get my <laughs> maybe hands on that. the maybe the sort of thing to ask for a Christmas present. Oh, it's coming up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although I should caution, it is worth noting that of course the original was shot on video, yeah. so there's only so good that the footage is going to look. It's not too yeah. much of an upgrade from a DVD version. So yeah. Don't be expecting like 4K. You know, you can watch Elvis's pores and everything, you weirdos. Because <laughs> no, that's not that what you're going to get. Yeah. Would you watch this special again? We talk about movies. Yeah, but absolutely. I think this should be an annual thing. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Maybe not an annual thing, but maybe an annual thing because I usually tend to only be able to listen to Elvis like once or twice a year mm. when Chris goes down to see his family and I'm left here in the apartment because he hates Elvis because he hates me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, it might be the sort of thing. If I had more friends that were into Elvis, this would be a nice thing to sit down and do once a year. But yeah. Yeah. Plus, if I watch Elvis a second time, then that means I'm going to have to like scale back my rewatch of the thing. And that's kind of a tough, it's kind of a tough call, you know? Mm. Like, do I watch the thing for the third time or the Elvis comeback special for the second time? You know? Choices, choices. Yeah. You know how I make those decisions? I just do both. <laughs> that way I don't have to make a choice. 
Yeah. You also, like, don't do anything else except watch movies, though. Like, some of us have, like, things we want to do, like, you know, draw things or sew things or make a salad every now and then. We don't just want to literally do nothing except watch movies. I make plenty of salads. Yeah? I do a lot of cooking, actually. You know that about me. When's the last time you made a salad? Just the other day. I do know that you do a lot of cooking. What kind of salad did you make? Uh, It was like a Caesar. Oh. Yeah. Usually the pretty standard stuff, and you just get different vinaigrettes and things. Yeah. But uh, it's neither here nor there. Subscribe for Matt's tips and tricks to salad making skills, how you can develop and hone your intermediate skills and apply them to making a salad. Except the caveat to that is that while you make a salad with Matt, he's going to tell you about just about every movie that has been about salads. Has there are there movies about salads? Do you think specifically you think a movie like the the plot is centered around a salad? Yeah, not off the top of my head. Can I remember? Ooh, mm, I don't know. Be a new podcast idea: movies about salads. <laughs> so let's talk about how the footage from this has been kind of recycled and repackaged in subsequent years. Okay. So in '85, HBO broadcast the whole sit-down session under the title Elvis One Night with You. Mm-hmm. And yeah, any subsequent version of it obviously included the Bordello scene. There was actually, they kind of rush-jobbed right after his death in 77, a special presented by Anne Margaret called Memories of Elvis. Oh. That had footage from this mixed up with some other things. It's interesting. And we let's talk about the fact that we will be going over Aloha from Hawaii, which is the other big TV special that he did. Okay. And that one, just like we did with this, will be on January 14th, which was the day it originally was broadcast. Cool. And that one was literally broadcast live. Right. Which was kind of like the first time something on that scale had been attempted, which is pretty cool. Mm. And we'll have definitely a lot more things to say about his outfits and that because then we're really full Hawaii Elvis. That's the one where he he has like the the bald eagle on the back of his cape. Oh, yeah. Once again, yeah. that's all our same uh, costume designer here came up with killing that it. thing. Just killing it. Good old Miggy Z. Repping. Repping our boy Elvis. Yes. Do you have any final thoughts? Final thoughts. Um, this has made, I'm looking forward to watching a lot of the other specials after seeing this. You know, it, it was nice to, like, the movies are fine, but they, they do require a lot of attention, whereas these specials sort of, I can kind of put them on and, like, do my favorite thing, which is draw and, like, be creative while this is playing. Mm-hmm. So I am looking forward to that. Um, it it does feel a little more laid back, which is nice too. So, yeah, it's been it's been a nice bit of a break. So, I hope that everybody else has uh, enjoyed hearing about it, and I hope that um, if you're listening to this podcast, that you take the opportunity to watch the special if you get the chance. Mm. At the very least, you can. There's the Elvis, you know, the official YouTube channel that has. Yeah. Broken up every individual song. You can find it from the 50th anniversary remasters Yeah, online. Mm-hmm. And as much as we are filled with the optimism, just as Elvis was after he finished the special and, and felt the reinvigorated sense of purpose, Yeah. next week he can stay away no longer. Joe's going to show up. Yeah, it's going to be stay away Joe. And we're going to have to talk about that. Yeah, we got to talk about that. It's going to be fine. Just fine. <laughs> <laughs> Super looking forward to it. And then next thing you know, we'll have wrapped up 
the, pretty soon. the main thing. Yeah, pretty soon. I think as we have it scheduled out, I think we're going to take maybe a, a week off for Christmas, which I think we're totally warranted. Yeah. But otherwise, we're going to carry you straight through the holidays Yeah. with more Elvis movie content. Yeah. I'm surprised that Elvis didn't do a Christmas movie. It's Yeah, that's true. Right? I think that was just a bad Seems idea. Like Con- Colonel, yeah, I think Colonel Tom Parker finally slipped up and just couldn't get it out there in time to embarrass himself and the rest of his crew. Too bad. I know as well that they did like a tribute concert for the anniversary of this mm. with a bunch of modern singers doing Elvis covers. I don't remember if that went over well or not. Right. I know that among others, like Ed Sheeran was involved and I think people were kind of like, mm. Right. But of course, I can't speak to that because I haven't seen it myself. So if you have, tell us yeah. how bad it or good it was. Yeah. I will say that like Elvis is hard to do. He's not actually an easy no. singer to like. He's really, really difficult to to nail. And like you, first of all, you have to be able, you have to have a low voice. Like I don't think people often realize just how low Elvis's voice was. And you have to be <laughs> really talented. <laughs> It helps. Because you know, he sang he sang with a certain kind of like juju, you know, that is if you can't match it, then you're just singing an Elvis song and not really singing like Elvis, right? And it's hard to not go too far with it. It's hard to play it right. That's why Elvis impersonators are such a big deal. Cause they like spend all of their time perfecting their Elvisness. Yeah. I love them. It's my dream. Like when I'm just, I think what I want to do just before I retire and go into retirement, if I ever do that, I want to go down to Graceland and I want to see Elvis impersonators before I die. That's what I want to do. I want to go see them. You're reminding me there's a famous female Elvis impersonator. Is there? Yeah. There's a singer named Lee Crow. That, that is a cool fucking name. Who went by Elvis Herselvis. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I love that. I think that's my fetish. I think that's actually what I might be into. Axon performs regularly, including performing with the all-female rockabilly band called the Mighty Slim Pickens. Ooh. Yeah. Her uncanny portrayal has made her a popular entertainer in queer clubs and alternative cabaret circuit in America. Ah, see? That's why I'm into it. According to Crow, Elvis Presley occupies an important place among lesbian icons. I'm not surprised to hear that. Straight men are very intimidated by a woman impersonating Elvis. It is one of the last bastions of masculinity, the right to do Elvis. I personally think he was very queenie in the 1950s who wore makeup and pink on stage, (laughs) which was unheard of behavior for a straight man. Yeah. It's, uh, (laughs) It's kind of funny that, like... I don't know. That's that's an interesting concept because, like, at the time that I impersonated Elvis, I was just coming out to friends and family as being gay. Mm. So that's really that's really interesting. There is something to it then. You, there. Yeah, I have noticed that he's like really prevalent in the LGBTQ plus community. Like a lot of the artists that I see that I follow online that are from the same community as me. Like we all have a special penchant for Elvis Presley and what it is. So that's about it. Or say I like the idea. I mean, it kind of came through where there was an idea of kind of going through his career in this yeah. show. So especially that intro with like the backdrop of all those silhouetted figures with the guitars yeah. is very Jailhouse Harkening Rock. Harkening back to Jailhouse Rock, yeah. And that song does get sung. I like the medley of, yeah, they do a medley of Heartbreak Hotel, Hound Dog, All Shook Up, mm-hmm. which is all one after the other. And he really just goes for it. Yeah. And we even get Love Me Tender, the very first mm-hmm. yep. Elvis movie. So I know, yeah. I saw that in there, yeah. It's a fun one. So without further ado, thank you for joining us as we kind of meandered a bit, but 
Sometimes that just be the way it is at Elvis has left the movies. Yeah. Take a walk down the path of Elvis's life. See where it takes you. We're just a tour guide. Exactly. Yeah. So as always, thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you, you very much. much.